from the book of John, chapter 1, verses 14 to 18. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning Him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace and place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Maria. Once again, it's great to have you this morning. And if you can open up to Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 13, uh, 14 through 19, I'll mainly focus on verse 19. Hopefully, you'll get to know that verse really well by the time we're finished. But let's pray that God will speak to us this morning. Lord, we thank you that you are a speaking God, that your word have created, your words have created the heavens and the earth, that your uh, word is sustaining uh, the universe, um, that you will speak uh, to us. And Lord, we pray that all that I say uh, will uh, become your word uh, that shapes the way that we think and we look at the world that shapes our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I was recently watching a TV show uh, where everyone in the TV show is just horrible. There was this earnest pastor um, whose wife was just killed by some drug dealers and uh, who at one point is talking to the man who's responsible for his wife's death. And the hopeless pastor holds up his newborn baby and asks out loud, why would I want to keep a baby alive in this world? Ironically, it's the criminal who says to him, because kids are hope. You know, maybe things can get better. I wonder on Christmas if that's the kind of hope that people feel. We see this baby in a manger and we feel hopeful because that's how babies make us feel, right? When we hold a baby, we feel warm and fuzzy. Uh, When I hold a baby, I have this, uh, I'm overcome by this irrational desire to take a bite out of the baby because the babies are so cute. And to the young parents here, I've never bitten a baby and it's still safe to give me a baby. Um, But God didn't send, God didn't send uh, his only son to inspire us through sort of cuteness and warmth and fuzziness. That's not the, uh, the reason why he came. He sent his son as a gift for the whole world. But what kind of a gift is he? What would you think if you received this book from your husband? Ten easy steps to effective weight loss. <laughs> What would Mary say to me if I gave her this book? How to become a better person. (laughs) Would she thank me? Right? Gifts are given for various reasons. What kind of a gift is Jesus? It takes humility to receive these gifts because with gratitude, because these books say that we are fat and we need to become better people. 
And if we think about why Jesus came, it's that kind of a gift it is for us. Why did Jesus come? Well, it isn't, it's, it isn't to take us out of this world, gritty, this reality, and fill us with uh, fairy tale like sentiments. That's not the reason why he came. It wasn't to take us out of the reality. It's because of the reality of the world. That's why he had to come. Because the reality is, is the world is messed up. It is torn apart. It is too dark and too terrible, too beyond repair. We can't do it by ourselves. And our hearts too sinful and too rebellious that we can't heal our hearts. That God sent his son, Jesus Christ. That's the message of Christmas. And I think we'll agree if we look around the world. The problems are too big, aren't they? The problems of global warming. We've certainly ruined God's good creation in so many ways. I don't know if you've seen this image that's been floating around the internet this past week. It's haunting. The Hong Kong government just released the 2016 figures which showed that the condition of the poor in Hong Kong is actually getting worse. It's about 1.35 uh, million people in Hong Kong still living below the poverty line, still uh, having trouble meeting the daily necessities. Nationalism is on the rise around the world. And that's just the bigger problems that the world faces. We have babies in ICU here, people facing grief from death of loved ones, people still struggling with illness and pain. And then there are the problems of our hearts. We know that we're sinners. We know that we should stop lying and envying, gossiping, watching pornography, being greedy and selfish. We know that we should be more pure. We know we should be more generous and loving and kind and gentle, but we try and we can't seem to do it by ourselves. So God came. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. God became a human being so that he could come into this world, so that he could heal it. He could give us the life that we are, we are wanting. He could restore the whole creation. That's the amazing truth about Christmas. Even though we're more sinful than we think we are, we're also more loved than we can imagine. God sent his son to save us. I don't know if you've had a favorite toy or jeans or something. I've had a, I have a t-shirt that's a, I've, I've had since 1999. It had my, I wrestled, it had my record, it had our team's record on it, which is like 14 and zero. We won every single match that year. Um, I keep them and mend them because I love them. I love it. And here's a, a, a baby toy that I borrowed from Natalie. Thanks, Natalie. And uh, Natalie has sewn this up a few times because it's her favorite toy and she wants to fix it. She loves it. We haven't thrown these things away because we love them. Even with all the tears and dirt, they belong to us. And so it is with this world. It's God's world and God came to fix it because we can't do it ourselves. And looking at the world, we do sometimes feel hopeless, don't we? And in suffering, we often feel alone. We might have felt that way in 2017. And here's a profound message of joy and hope in Christmas, that we're not alone. 
that we don't need to fix ourselves. We don't need to try so hard to fix the whole world by ourselves. That we have a Savior. That God came. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And this plan was so unexpected, wasn't it? Even though many prophets prophesied that people were still caught uh, surprised. And it's pretty unbelievable if we just reflect on it a little bit. It's about, I'm about to have a baby, as you know, so I've learned how to hold a baby. Uh, you need to hold a baby with, uh, you need to hold up its, its, its head, right, when you're holding it, because it just doesn't have enough muscles to hold up its own head. You need to support it. Um, and, and holding a baby is just a, a big responsibility in and of itself, because, you know, if you drop it, if you hold him in the wrong way, you could actually harm him. In fact, there are so many ways one could accidentally harm a baby because they're vulnerable. And to think, that's what God became in Jesus Christ. To think, that's how vulnerable he became in Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. And that was such a contrast to actually everything that we know about God from the Old Testament. Think about God from the Old Testament, a God who is not able to be seen, who uh, you, you, you cannot be with him, right? God in the Old Testament was always revealed as majestic and powerful and holy and transcendent. The creator God uh, whose word uh, creates a whole universe in one psalmist wrote in one Psalm, uh, Psalm 104, May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He who looks at the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. Even God, looking at the world, he says, will shake it. If he touches the mountains, it'll be consumed by it. The closest analogy we have is probably the sun. It's, it's so unimaginably powerful that you can't stand in its presence. You couldn't bear to be near it. But that, that same God became a baby. The shepherd saw him. The magi, a few years later, worshipped him. And he revealed the fullness of God. No one has ever seen God or could see God, but him becoming a person, you could hold him. And he made himself known. But the amazing, but as amazing as that fact alone is, that's not the reason. That's not the whole reason why God became a baby. That's not the whole reason why he came. He didn't come just to reveal himself. His becoming flesh had a purpose. He became flesh so that he could become vulnerable, so that he could bleed so that he could be pierced, so that he could die on the cross for us. He became flesh to take our place on the cross, to die for our sins, taking the penalty that we deserve. And there are, I know that some of you here who think, well, I don't actually think that I deserve the death penalty. But that's because you don't often think of yourselves standing in front of God. God is like that son. He is holy. In fact, the, uh, the, the Bible says um, not just holy, it emphasizes it, right? Three times. He is holy, holy, holy. That 
He will consume sinners in his presence with his righteous anger. He cannot just forgive precisely because he is righteous and he is just. But since that just God is also a loving God, he came to be our substitute. And by dying for us, he came to restore our relationship with him, with that holy God. Which is why John says in verse 12, that we become the children of God when we receive him, when we, when we receive this gift of grace. And as his children, when Jesus comes back the second time bring this, to bring this world uh, where there will be no more pain and suffering or sin, we will be with him forever. We'll be able to live with him forever. That's why John talks about grace in this short passage that we read again and again in verses 14 and 16 and 17. Grace upon grace, full of grace, grace and truth, because Jesus came to die for us. And so here's what we need to do then. We need to receive him. Receive him as our gift. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace John writes in verse 16, Christianity isn't about telling you to do better things. It isn't about solving the global warming. It's not about ending all wars, fixing the problems of poverty. It's not about bringing justice even to this world by ourselves. It's not even about be, becoming better people ourselves, as if we could do that, as if, as if we could heal this whole world. You see, receiving this gift of Christmas means receiving Jesus as our Savior, admitting, by admitting, that we are more sinful than we thought we are, that we're unable to heal this world by ourselves. And I know that sounds offensive to some of you, but isn't that true? Isn't the world as it is? For centuries throughout the history, despite our best efforts, the way it is because of our sinful hearts, that we are not able to fix this world by ourselves. It's not about doing at all. Christmas means admitting, admitting that God has sent this gift, this Savior, to heal the whole world, to give us new life, to give us hope in the midst of darkness. But equally, it's also receiving him as our Lord, as our Lord. This baby wasn't just a baby. He is our God. He is the God who came. And receiving him as our Lord means leaving the way that we lived by ourselves, leaving the, our past and the way that we lived and now living his way. To say, I am going to follow this king this God who has come to show us how to live. Yeah, for example, you might not have cared about global warming before. You might not have cared about the die, dying polar bear before, but you must now, because now you are a Christian. You know that God has put you, God has put humanity in charge over the earth to be stewards over God's good creation. We need to start caring for the world about us. We need to live differently now because of him. You might not have wanted to forgive someone who wronged you, but we do now because Jesus has shown us a way to live, the way of forgiveness. You might not have been stingy before, but we are generous now, whether we actually make a dent 
uh, in, in poverty in Hong Kong or not. This is now the way that we live. God has sent his son as our king. Receiving him as our Lord means leaving the way that we lived before and following him as our Lord. And you know, this is a whole different sermon, but it still needs to be said. God became a baby 2,000 years ago, and I'm sure he was super cute, and I'm sure if I saw him, I would have wanted to bite him, but this is just that beginning. Christmas is just that beginning of that story, right? And he's given us the ending of how history will end, and when he comes back, he won't come as a baby, but he will come as our king. He will come to restore the whole earth as it's supposed to be. So we receive him now as our savior. We live uh, with him as our Lord today. And that TV show that I talked about, that hopeless pastor asked how he could keep this baby alive in this world and how, uh, uh, how we can have hope. Well, if we, can, if we have to have hope just looking at ourselves, we might not be able to have that hope. But we can hope on this baby that came 2,000 years ago because this baby was God and he loves us and he lived and then died for us and he promises to bring a whole new world. So in this Christmas season, let's thank God. Thank God the word became flesh that he lived among us. Let's pray. Lord, we give you great praise and thanks that even while we live in our sinfulness, in our rejection of you, in our ignorance of you, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. And we thank you that he lived. We thank you that he died. And we thank you that he rose again. May we hope, may we place our hope on this baby. And may uh, we live as, as his people, with him as our Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.